But you don't even know what I'm talking about. Come on, that was funny. So listen, in the name of the Lord, let's go ahead and pray because there's a lot of stuff I want to lay out there today and see what the Lord does. Father, I thank you so much for this worship team. I thank you so much for their leading us and how they just stepped up. They were willing to step up in a time of transition. And I praise you for that. And Lord, I pray today that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, Lord, you know that my prayer is that it will be just exactly what you want it to be. And I don't want to come with wise and persuasive words, but I do want to come with a demonstration of your spirit and power so that everybody in here, their faith would not be on anything that I say, but on the movement of God. We didn't come here, Lord, today just because it is what we're supposed to do. We came here to encounter the living God. And so I pray that you would speak mightily to us. I pray that since we have an open heaven because of Jesus, our lives will be changed. And more than anything else, we thank you that because of the blood of Jesus, where would we be? It is by your grace that we have been saved. And it is a gift so that no one of us can boast. But we boast only in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And all the saints said what? Yeah, amen and amen. Well, welcome to the jungle, people. Never mind, you don't even know that song. All right, so one of the hardest things I had to learn in ministry was this, is that I'm a guy that I get connected to people emotionally, as you can tell. I, I love you. I want to be in your life. I want to be a part of your life. I, I want to do life with you. The hardest thing that I've found in ministry is that when I get connected to people, they're not my people. I'll let over here. The, the hardest thing I've found is that the people that I connect with are not my people. They're God's people. If you're a parent in this room, you know what I'm talking about. I love that picture. I don't know what cartoonist did it. I don't know who made it up. It's like when the little kids go to school, like, you know, kindergarten or first grade, they're holding on to the tree, right? And the parents are trying to jerk them off the tree and throw them on the bus. Y'all with me? Let them take that first day to college. It's the parents that are holding on to the kid and the kid's like, hey, let me go. Right? Because there's a difference. People don't belong to us. They belong to the Lord. And so when we're in this series of looking forward to what it means to really trust the Lord, if Abraham Listen, this guy has wrecked my world because if I want to be a man of faith, then I've got to walk like Jesus. And Abraham is not the hero, though he does bring some dynamics of what Christ did. Then we've got to look and smell and talk and walk like Jesus. And the only way for us to do that is for us to proclaim and serve the Lord with the way he wants us to serve. So here's the deal. And so here's what I'm, I'm trying to lay out to you today. The hardest thing I've ever had to do in ministry is when God calls us to do like people, is when God calls somebody away to let them go. Letting people go in the Lord has been the hardest thing. I, it's the hardest thing for me to say, man, God, I want to follow you, I want to follow you, I want to follow you. And then when somebody says, God's calling me somewhere, not to lay some spiritual guilt trip on them and say, no. Like, are you just going to leave me like that? Like, I, you know, where were you before? You know, where were you? And now that you've all grown up in the Lord, you're going to grow out like that? That's the hardest thing. And then the hardest thing I have learned in the Lord is that serving God doesn't mean that I get recognition. It means that, never mind. He gets it. 
Hardest thing I've ever had to learn. Hardest thing is to be a teammate. It's all right as long as you're the greatest player on the team. But when you're not the greatest player on the team, and your job, and you have a role, and people don't always thank you and appreciate your role, jump out in there, right? It's not the easiest way to live, but yet that's exactly what it is. Abraham was looking forward to a city with foundations. Everything that happened in his life, whatever happened his way, he had his eyes fixed on the promised Messiah. His foundations, right, in that city, whose architect and builder was God. Genesis 24. Let's turn it. Get your phones. You're there. Uh, and we're going to get real today. Y'all, some people, whoo, some people are going to get their feelings hurt like me. Just kidding. Well, maybe. I don't know. So here, it's, it's on Facebook. But here's what I'm trying to say. Let's look at it. Let's look at the main idea today. If we're going to wrap our minds around that, let's look at this today. Looking forward, if I'm going to walk and be a man of faith because of the gospel, looking forward. So my whole life, looking forward. My whole life means this. Means my identity is in Christ, not in my calling. My identity, our identity, is in Christ, not in our calling. Uh, let me put it to you this way. Uh, in other words, the Holy Spirit joy, right? The fruit of the Spirit is love. What's the next one, saints? Joy. So the fruit of the Spirit, like the Holy Spirit joy, comes from fulfilling our calling, not being recognized by our calling. That, that was good. Because the reason why is because I get my feelings hurt when I'm not recognized. As if God owes me something. See, being recognized in my call is not more important than being recognized by the one who gave me the call. That's Jesus. Uh, Genesis 24. So, I, it, there's a, it's a long chapter. But let me summarize it for you. That Abraham has an old faithful servant. And he calls his faithful servant and he says, hey listen, put your hand in my thigh, we're going to make a covenant. You're going to go back to my homeland in northwest Mesopotamia, uh, modern-day Iraq. He go, you're going to go there, and you're going to go to my people, and you're going to get a wife for my son called Laughter, or we know him as Isaac. And you're going to you're going to get a, a, a wife for him, and you're going to bring that wife back. Because listen, I'm old. Sarah just died in chapter 23. I got some. I want to even spend time on that one. But I want you to go get it. So this guy makes a commitment to Abraham, travels all the way over there. This guy's been with him the whole time. His most trustworthy servant goes all the way to Northwest Mesopotamia, says this prayer, like gets out on the yoke the camel, waiting for the women to come out and, and get water. And he says this prayer, gets and he's like, God, look, you, I know that my, my master Abraham said the angel's going to go before me, but you're going to give me victory. And the woman who comes, who not only draws water from the well, but gives me water, and water these camels. Lord, she's the one. Soon as he gets done praying, here comes Isaac's wife. She comes, gets the water, goes over to the servant, says, here's some water for you. Let me water your camels. The servant is blown away, takes out her nose ring, puts it in her, puts out some bracelets on her. He says, who are your people? She says, you're my people, basically, my grandfather, my grandfather is 
Abraham's brother. And he's blown away. Long story short, he goes back, tells her father, he says, I want her to come right now. The father says, well, what do you want to do to the girl? She's like, I'm all in. This has got to be a God thing. Even her father said, man, we've never seen anything like this. Like, this has to be the Lord. She goes back, and boom, Isaac is comforted in the death of his mother because God brought him a wife. But here's what's interesting. Here's what fires me up about this scripture. Is the whole time I'm reading this, I'm like, this servant dude is amazing. He's doing all this good work. He's doing all this work. And guess what? He gets zero. Am I talking to anybody? Zero reward. Zero. Where's the recognition, God? Where's the recognition with this captain who risks his life, goes all the way through, takes a caravan of people, could have been robbed, crazy place, goes over, gets this girl, everything pans out perfectly, just as God's divine providence, brings her back, boom, here's Isaac. Isaac goes in, marries a girl, nothing about the servant. I was angry when I read it. I remember really studying this the first time. I was angry. And the Holy Spirit, the best that I can understand, he spoke to me and said, John, the reason why you're angry is because you're making it about you. It is not about being recognized in your calling. It is about fulfilling your calling. That is what's pleasing to the Lord. That's why Abraham was looking forward to a city with foundation. Whatever God calls us to, I challenge you today, fulfill your call. Don't get your identity from your call. See, if my, my identity is being a pastor, if I'm, if I'm counting on you to fulfill me and give me some type of uh, recognition for my whatever my needs are emotionally, if I'm counting on you to do this, then guess what I'm going to be? I'm going to be this person who's so codependent upon you that there's no way in Jesus Christ's name I can lead you. Because the, I can't lead you if I'm dependent on you. So here we go, Genesis 1. I mean, 24 verse 1. Now, Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. It's interesting. His wife just died in 23, and yet God calls him blessed. Hmm. Abraham wasn't bitter because he was looking forward to a city with foundations whose architect and builder was God because he knew that the death of his wife didn't mean the separation of and Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he had, pretty faithful dude, put your hand under my thigh that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth. Notice this connection. Man, there's just so much richness in this passage. That you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites. Because you're going to remember, the Canaanites were jacked up. God said, this is where you're going to live. You're going to live with the people that are in an absolute mess. But you can be a blessing to the mess because I'm with you. Among whom I dwell. But will go to my country and to my kindred. And take a wife for my son Isaac. The servant said to him, Perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I then take your son back to the land from which you, from which you came? Verse 6. Abraham said to him, See to it that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, 
the God of heaven. Notice he's saying that thy will be done on as it is in because the God of heaven is over earth. See to it that you not take my son back there, the Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house, northwest Mesopotamia, modern day Iraq, and from the land of my kindred, and who spoke to me and swore to me, to your offspring, I will give this land. He will send his what saints? Come on. Before you. And you shall take a wife for my son from there. But if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from this book of mine, only you must not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. And then you know the story from verse 10 and following, that he goes and he takes off the camels, and he takes his caravan, and he goes and it plays out. So I, I, I want you to know today that the Lord is speaking to us in a powerful way. And then here's the deal. The call of God the call of God in our life is to fulfill the call of God, not to be recognized by the call. If Eric is supposed to minister to you, then his identity doesn't come by the youth. His identity, in other words, his recognition doesn't come by what they say. His recognition comes by his obedience to do exactly what God said. Here's why. Because my identity is in Christ, not from the call of Christ. I'll show you Matthew 23, 27. I'm I'm sure you, you've seen and read this, some of you. Jesus, you know, he's getting ready to go to the cross here, not far away. And he says, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Everybody wants to say that Jesus is love, and he is. But you know what I love about love? Love doesn't tolerate sin. You are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones and uh, of the dead and everything unclean. Look at what he says in verses 5 through 12 in the same chapter. In other words, he's saying, what's on the outside? He said, the hypocrites, the, the Pharisees and, and, and the Sadducees and, and the teachers of the law, what they're interested in, they're interested more in the recognition from their call than being obedient to their call. Uh, verse 5. Everything they do is done for people to see. Come on. Come on. We work with some people like that. They make their phylacteries. That's the little boxes, right? They would have on their hands and their heads, right? Uh, uh, wide and the tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets. Notice recognition. Notice recognition from the call not being obedient to fulfill the call. Honor and banquets and the most important seats in the synagogue. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplace. And let me break it down. It's like people saying, in other words, it's like my identity being called pastor. Listen, my identity is not pastor. My identity is Christ in me. See, because here's, here's where we mess up. Because if my identity is pastor, then I'm going to compare myself against every pastor. Y'all tracking me? And so if this place ain't full, then I ain't good. Mm, come on, tell the truth, shame the devil. Right? If it's, if it's not, if, if, if your identity is in your call, if you want to be recognized by your call, then you start comparing yourself to others in your call. They have the same call. We start comparing each other. 
And so if my identity is a pastor, if who I am at the end of the day is a pastor, I'm going to remind, I just want to remind myself today publicly that my, my calling is not as a parent. You see, that's why some kids are idols. But like a real person. In families, we talk, some people talk more about their children than they talk about Jesus. My calling is not to be a parent. My calling is to follow Jesus Christ. And by following Christ, what happens to me as a parent? Yeah, that'll be pretty good. That'll be some light change in there. I'll be something a little different than what it should be like than what other people see. There's got to be something inside me. People say, my calling is a parent. Look how the Lord is good. I'm like, we jump up there. Don't get nervous. If, if the Lord has called me to be, see, if, if my recognition is as a parent, then when my child children leave me and move on in life, then what happens to but if my identity is in Christ, then who I am before they were born, who I am when they're living with me, and who I am when they move out should not change. Because it's Christ in me, the hope of glory, that makes all the difference. Your calling is not as a student. Your calling is not as a wife. Your calling is not as a husband. Your calling is not as a brother, or as a son, or as a daughter, or as a cousin, or as a boss. Your calling is to the Lord. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Go and make disciples of all ethnic. It's the calling in our lives. It's to follow Christ. It's not, listen, I would rather be recognized by Jesus than be recognized by man. Because one day, Beyonce ain't going to get old. <laughs> she might look good now. But there's a physical law called gravity. Y'all get the thing. That ain't never going to happen to me. I ain't never going to look like that. I just want to tell you something. Every day I wake up in the mirror, I realize all the things I said I wasn't going to look like, I look like. <laughs> you can try to fight it. You can go to your old cosmetic surgery and plastic and hair club for men. But the truth is, you can't fight time. Because we're not Lord over but there is one who is. And it's Jesus. I love the place, verse 6 of honor. In fact, that's in the most important seats in the, in the synagogue. Check this stuff out. They love to be greeted with what, saints? It's not up there. Respect in the marketplaces. And to be called what? Yeah. Rabbi, Rabbi, teacher, professor. You know, my seminary, my president got up and he ripped every one of us. He ripped every one of us. He's the president of Southwestern now, the largest seminary in, in, in the world. 
And uh, we were the fifth largest in the world at the time there. When I went to it, Wake Forest, North Carolina, and he said, and he ripped everyone else. He said, I am sick and tired of y'all being calling. He said, calling yourself doctor this and doctor that. He said, your job, your title is not doctor. Your title is professor. God gave you the gift of teaching, and man gave you the title of doctor. That means we're all equal. Because you see, man-made man titles only create separation. But with God, we realize, mm, all in His image, per se. But you are not to be called rabbi. Look at Jesus. He, he's laying the smack down on some academic institutions. Come on, somebody. I have met some educated idiots. Right? I got an amen on that one. They were like, is that even spiritual to say idiots in church? Well, the Greek word is called idiotes. In 1 Corinthians, he says if someone in the church comes in and they're uninformed, the Greek word is idiotes, where we get the word idiot. Okay. But you're not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher. And you are all. Might not be up there, I have no idea. Brothers. In other words, equal. In other words, equal. It doesn't matter how many degrees, it doesn't matter how much is in my bank account, because every funeral I have been to, everybody in that casket was broke. And every bit of hard work they put in life, somebody else got that. Somebody else got that bread. And do not call anyone on earth what? Father. Verse 9. For you have one Father. And he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors. For you have one instructor. Oh, I love that. The word doctor is apt. The Messiah. And he says the instructor. The teacher is the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. Verse 12. For those who exalt themselves will be what saints? And those who humble themselves will be what saints? See, that's what it is. Because here's why. Joy, my joy does not come by being recognized by my call, but by fulfilling my call. My joy comes from the Father saying, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your master. It is hearing God the Father and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit say, well done. That is the only one who can recognize me as the scripture teaches, when I'm afraid, I will trust in you, in God who's Word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? Because being recognized by my call is, a, is only a temptation to become entangled and embittered by my call. The Bible says you're tested by the praise you receive. When somebody starts praising you, be real quick to give it to Jesus. 
Well, that just sounds so, you know, John, just false humility. It's like, all glory to Jesus, all glory. John, you look so good today, which never happens, by the way. You look so good. I'm just making this up, like, as if it's really reality. John, you look so good. And, and, and I just go, mm, you know, the Lord is good. You know, as my friend Betsy Ball would say, oh, please stop. Please stop. You know, and so what happens is this, is that you're tested by the praise you receive. Why? Because is it the recognition of man that draws me, or is it the call of God that draws me? If God has called me to pastor, then guess what? There's not the approval of man or the disapproval of man that can get in my way. See, y'all got to get a little more lively because last week uh, I was up in High Point, North Carolina, and I got to preach in an inner city church. Um, we were in the middle of the hood, and uh, my, my Josh, Josh was there, my kid, and, uh, and, and I just want to say, uh, the Lord gives me a lot of faith in certain places, and uh, I think Summit, deep down, I, I told him people, y'all more wild than they are, we're just trying to be reserved. But deep down, mm, let the party begin. Okay, so the identification in God's kingdom doesn't come from the outside. It comes from the inside. So my identity is in Christ, not in my call. That's the look forward. The idea of the servant here, the reason why the servant was overjoyed was that God was moving in the call, not because he got some type of recognition from the call. He could have said, I'm the best servant. I'm the oldest. I'm the most trusted. Everybody else. Get out of the way. Oh, Abraham, look what I did for you. No, he doesn't do any of that. In fact, the Bible doesn't eulogize him in any way. Though in Genesis, he has one of the longest chapters, if not the longest chapter in Genesis, is dedicated to this servant's journey. In fact, I don't even know the dude's name at the end of the day, but I do know this about the servant. I might not know his name, but God is pleased with him. Identification of God's kingdom does not consider you're, you're in high school, middle school, and all these schools. Listen, all these schools, whatever school you want to put in, you want to come. Listen, and everybody is driven by image. Christians, we are driven by calling. People bow their heads to the sword because the call of God is greater than the recognition of God. When we have a call of God, there's not a demon in hell nor a person in Charleston that can stop us. The only people that stop us is us. The Bible says the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Galatians 2.20, I've used this before, but I just, I'm trying to use power verses to remind us. What is Galatians 2.20? Yeah, some of you already know it because you used to sing the old song. Right? I'm crucified in Christ, but yet I what? Live not I, but Christ who? Yes! And the life I now live, look what it says there. I live up into the Son of God who loved me. This is, this is cool. Who loved me and gave himself for me. In other words, my calling trumps anything else. It can't be what anybody else says. So my focus has to be this, whoever I'm with has to be the synoptic focus, right? We're looking in the same eye, right towards Christ. We fix our eyes on Christ. That nothing else matters. Whether the church goes to 5,000 or goes to 50, if it's God's will, then I'm to do it. Colossians 3.3. 3. Listen, just, I'm, I'm hidden in Christ, man. right? Colossians 3.3. 3. 
It says, for John died, or put your name in. For Ricky died. For Julian died. Kelly died. For you died, and your life is now hidden with who? In God. Recognition from our calling should not drive us, but obedience to our calling the only way you and I are going to fulfill our call. Because people are going to come against what God, listen, what God tells you in the spirit, man will speak against you in the flesh. That's tweetable. <laughs> am, I, am I lying though? How many times have God told you to do something and man says no? But we will answer that question in a minute. This is where my feelings might get hurt. I love this one of my favorite verses, Acts 17, 28. For in him we Live and move and have what? Our being. Acts 17, 28. For in Christ, right? In Him. The Him there is Christ. For in Him we live and move and have our being. Paul is talking to this to these erudite people on Mars Hill. And he's saying, for in Christ we live and move and have our being. Listen, it's being in Christ is who I am. That, that I'm recognized being in Christ. I'm not recognized as pastor. I would rather people come to me because they experience the presence of God in me rather than come to me by the position that God gave me. This is a position. But in the presence of God, there is power. All right, so here's the argument. Maybe you're with me on this one. Okay, but John, you may have done that five love languages. That book drove me nuts. <laughs> because everywhere I went, like I wouldn't get my love tank filled up. No, 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 no. I needed some very whites in my life. Very white voice. You know, when the slow music comes on, you're like, hey, how you doing? Anyway, all right, so, are y'all awake? Even tweaking. All right, so, what if my love language comes from words of affirmation. So, I did, they did my love language, right? My love language is this. My love language are words of affirmation and physical touch. So here's the deal, check this out. So if you come to me and I'm on your team, you're my coach, you're my boss, we're doing a project together in the class, I'm your friend. If you come to me and you say, John, I just wanna tell you something. I am so proud of you, I think the world of you, and you just really inspire me in the Lord. I am like, let's go take hell on with this empty big squirt going. I'm ready to go. I'm one of those guys, you give me a pump up speech, I'll be the guy that runs out, falls down, all the team falls over, takes the cheerleaders out, that, I'll be that guy, right? I'm a word of affirmation guy. So you're saying, John, if being recognized by your call should not drive your call, but being faithful to your call should drive your call, then how, if you're a words of affirmation person, if you need affirmation, then how, how do you get this drive to continue in the calling of God? Does that make sense? In other words, if I need words of affirmation to keep me going, if Lynette and I, if I need to hear her, which I do need to hear this, I need to hear her tell me she loves me, even though I, I know it, I have to experience it. 
Anybody there? Are y'all are y'all just like too embarrassed to say it? Is that what it is? Because we're Disney. Okay, so in other words, I have to hear her say she loves me. If I don't hear her say she loves me, I'm stuck. Some of the words of affirmation. So I'm struggling this with the Lord. But then I, 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 I thought, this is this is it. God just literally laid out. He said, John, external confirmation is your word of affirmation. For example, here's the external confirmation that we will all get by fulfilling the calling of God in our life is to go make disciples. So my calling is to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And through that process, since, since I can't really touch him right now, what I can do is touch man for him, which is what the servant did. The servant went, got the wife, brought the wife to the master's son happily ever after. There was no reward for the servant. There was nobody celebrating the servant. My job is to take people to God and God to people and get out of the way. But in that process, I can be, feel very lonely and rejected and hurt and unloved. So where's this external affirmation? Matthew 25, 21. I hope this lands in force here. His master replied, right, Jesus is teaching, when you're faithful with the talents, well done, good and faithful servant, you have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. That is a word of affirmation, is it not? Is that how God said, I'm pleased with you. Right? You don't need to walk around school and oh, I got this many likes, or I got this many people follow me on Twitter, or look on Instagram, how many people really viewed my story, and oh, wow, look at this, this is great, and I got all these people just, just wanting to be in my life and follow my life, and hey, I'm on a wet day here, and oh, wow, I picked up this piece of clothing here, and everybody's just like, oh, we're celebrating you. <laughs> I just want to let everybody know I love you, but I don't care when you went to the bathroom. I don't care where you ate unless you bring me something. Uh, and you go eat, have fun. In him we live and move and have our baby. Uh, you know, I, I, but the key in all this is, is that what happens is, where's the external confirmation? It is a word of affirmation from him. Look, look in Genesis 24, verses 1 through 4. Here we get to see this. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had had charge of all that he had. I mean, look at this external confirmation here. Look at this. Put your hand under my thigh, that I will make you swear to the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife from my son from the dogs of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but will go to my country and my kindred and take a wife for my son Isaac. Notice that the faithfulness of the servant gave a call for the servant. And so here, there's this external confirmation. We get to see something powerful. He gets a call. The servant gets a call. And every one of us has a call. There's an external confirmation that will lead to a word of affirmation. But the word of affirmation that we look for is God's affirmation to us, not man's recognition of us. Let's keep reading verse 5. External confirmation is getting a call from God. Everybody in this room has a call. I promise you that if you'll chase heart after God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, He will make your way like this. 
He will open up and part the Red Sea, and you will see such deficits in the world that you're going to be so heartbroken you have to step in. That'll be your calling. A calling to proclaim his image, to cast his presence where the image bears, right? Where we're image made in the image of God, image meaning shadow. We cast the shadow of Jesus. People don't read the Bible, they just read us and read the Bible. In other words, people don't give a rip about Jesus, so it's us to show them Jesus. So let's keep reading. The servant said to him, uh, perhaps a woman may not be willing to follow me to this land, but I, 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 must I then take your son back to the land from which you came? Abraham said to him, see to it that you do not take my son back there. In other words, it's okay to get a spouse from home, but the word of the Lord is, don't go home. Verse 7, the Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred and spoke to me and swore to me, to your offspring I will give this land. Now notice what Abraham does. What Abraham has experienced, he's now able to say with confidence. When you experience the presence of God, you can speak confidence about God. To your, the Lord says, he says, to your offspring I will give you this land. He said, he will send his what, saints? Before you. And you shall take a wife for my son from there. When we are in the calling of God, God will go before us. That word before, if you look that up in Hebrew, that word before right there says, he will send his angel before you. Check this out. This is so good. So transforming. I'm praying. Listen, when God goes before us, He's not just meaning that God's going to go to your school and he's going to wax everybody who speaks against you. It does not mean that your job will, he's going to separate the sheep and the goats and you're just going to move right up the ladder. You're going to go to med school and everything's going to go all right. He's not saying that. He says when his angel goes before you, the word before in Hebrew Write this down, put it on your phone, start planning. It literally means the word face. F-A-C-E. Do you know that's what it means? It means the word face. Let me give you an example. The priestly blessing that Abraham's, excuse me, Moses' brother, Aaron, and his sons would lay on the people of Israel. Number six, the Lord said to Moses, verse 22, number six, what's this? Uh, coming up. The Lord said to Moses, verse 23, number six, 23, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelite. Listen, when we're in the call of God, we're walking in the power of God because we have an idol. We have an anointing from God. An anointing, all that is, is that God's face is shining on me so brightly that nobody else sees me, they just see him. Come on. Watch. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord, go to the next verse. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry, say here. The Lord make his what? Before, same word, or same idea, 
the Lord, the angel go before you, what he's saying is, is that the Lord will make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. When you and I walk in the calling of God, the external confirmation is the presence of God shining on us. When Moses went to Pharaoh, did Pharaoh immediately bow the knee? Come on. Yes or no? Did he immediately bow the knee? No. But Moses' face never changed. The presence of God is the shining glory of God in our lives. That's the external confirmation. That's the power. That's the power. It is the face of God. Man, listen to this. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord, look at verse 26. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you what, saints? When I'm in the call of God, it doesn't matter what's rattling around me as so long as nothing is rattling with me. Man, that's good. See, when I feel that I have God's face on me, it doesn't matter if I have the frown of man. We try to dress the plus, plus people in school. We try to, we try to make sure we got everything looking all good so everybody else is wow, they got it all together. I want to tell, I want to just say something. As long as Jesus has me all together, it doesn't matter to me the money in things. Because my identity is in Christ and not in my calling. I might stink as a pastor, but if Jesus keeps shining his face on me, then the people that are seeking Jesus will come looking for him and see him in me. It's his face. He'll go before you. That means his presence, his face will shine on you before he ever parts the Red Sea for you. We're always looking for Jesus to part the Red Sea for us and to give us that job and to open that door. I want to say this, forever before he opens the door, man, we got to open the door of our heart. His face is on us so that people will see him and not us. External confirmation comes from the presence of God resting on the people of God. That's called the anointing of God. External confirmation is everything. And I want to say something today. If I'm preaching and it ain't touching, then God ain't called me to preach. If you don't see Jesus today and you're just seeing somebody up here, then guess what? Then I'm not called. The external confirmation through my sisters and brothers in Christ are telling me exactly what God's called me to do. So let's go with real today. Come on. If you feel led to do this, go ahead and take out your phone. Yeah, I mean, you've already had it out anyway. God, I'm boring Instagram. What time are What places are open? I dare you, in the name of Jesus, to take three people that you know and text them right now. This is where I see Jesus' face shining you. I'll use an example, Seth. The reason why I know you're called a pastor is because I see Jesus' face on you when you pastor. Anyways. You know, Kevin, why I know why your heart in leadership, administration, and mission, you want to know why? You know why your wife can teach? 
is because when your wife teaches me, when she texts me powerful words, basically in the nice way she says, John, suck it up. But I, I get it. Like, I know what she's saying. But when she, but when she texts me and speaks to me, you know what I hear out of Shannon? I don't hear Shannon. I hear Jesus. I hear the face of God, not the face of man. I dare you to take it out to three people, your best friends, your close friends, and you can text them right now and say, here's what I see, the face of Jesus, when you do, for him what you do. I can't sing. Will you come play with me? Robert, how, I mean, y'all ain't going to be on public and stuff. I'm just loud you out bad. I you know, I love you, Devin. I love y'all and your little fan club there and groupies and whatever y'all call them. Um, let me ask you something. Is he not a humble man? Do y'all see that in him? Yes or no? Just straight up. I mean, some of y'all, I don't even know him. And you want me to talk about him? Yes, it's called church gospel. It's me. <laughs> but, but, but he's got, I mean, is he not home? Right? He will be mad at me, so I ask for forgiveness publicly. But y'all had some news two weeks ago that was a little concerning, right? Oh, I don't know you have a mic, never mind. This made me feel special. I got a whole mic. 
Stephen Furman. He thinks he can say it. He can't. So Lord, you're good. So good, so good. To the very last drop, you are good. Y'all will say, shut up. Because you're saying it right now. In the name of Jesus. Because God, you called me to say it. I'm probably hurt my feelings many times, but let me see. Place, remember, fulfillment of the call brought him joy, not being. 
being recognized by the call. Even his disciples were leaving him and going to Jesus. So my point in all this is if you want to let Jesus' face shine upon you as believers, I believe part of our call is church elders and church leaders is to pray this over you. You have an open heaven. You don't need my prayer. But I just want to agree with you in prayer that God will make his face shine upon you and give you peace. The closest I feel to the Lord is when I'm doing this. And I can't thank you as a body of Christ for confirming this in me. And that is why I love you. And that is why I couldn't wait even with surgery. I couldn't wait to get over here. Because I miss intimacy with God. And I miss intimacy with you. You want the Lord's face to shine upon you. He already knows your heart. Why don't you come ask him?
they don't have their identity in Christ. If they're not radically saved by the gospel, they know about you, but they have not been transformed by you. They don't have it. A heart change where they are called to die so that they might live. Where they're willing to put all their trust in Jesus Christ being crucified for their sins and God, you rose from the dead on the third day and they're willing to turn from their life and follow you. Lord, if they've never had that moment, I pray for that moment right now that your face would shine upon them. And that they would surrender themselves to you and that they would make that known public.